Today, as, uh, as we've mentioned a few times, today is Mother's Day. Today is the day when all across our nation, we can take uh, just one day to honor and celebrate moms in a special way, where we can take a moment to recognize the, the incredible value that, that women in general and mothers in particular have brought to our lives, the ways that our lives have been changed, the ways that we've grown, the ways that we've been impacted by uh, not just physical mothers and biological mothers, but also by spiritual mothers who have impacted us in the faith. And so today, uh, I have a little bit of a unique message prepared where I'd like to look through the Bible and, and see the, the beauty and the value of what God's heart is for, for women in general and for mothers in particular. And as usual, I have far too many verses to get through, and so I probably crammed in far too many. But, but if I did that today, it's because I want you to see the overwhelming testimony from all of Scripture about God's heart for women and for mothers. Unfortunately, though, Mother's Day can also be a little bit of a challenging day for not just for some women and for some moms, but for all of us. It can be a challenging day for maybe for those of you, this is your very first Mother's Day since your mom passed away. It can also be a day when young women who want to become moms but are unable to become moms feel the weight of that. It can be a challenging day for those who maybe don't have a great relationship with their mom or, or maybe for moms who don't have a great relationship with their kids. And so this holiday, like every holiday, can often be a day of great joy and also great sadness. And when we look at what the Bible says about women, the Bible all throughout from Genesis to Revelation paints this picture for us that I'd like to dive into today. Now, believe it or not, and this may come as a surprise, but I am not a mother. Now, to be a mother, there's two basic qualifications, neither of which I meet. To be a mother, you have to, number one, be a woman, and number two, be a parent, and I am neither of those things. So, Despite feeling woefully inadequate, my heart today is to help all of us as a church learn to walk in honor. The book of Exodus talks about how we should honor our father and our mother, that we should be a people of honor, that we should be a church where we honor all people. That I hope as your pastor that there is a, a culture in this church of honor, of honor for women, of, of honor for mothers. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, and you'll see this on the screen. Paul says to his spiritual son Timothy, he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. Here Paul is telling Timothy, 
He says, for, for those who have joined the family of the Messiah, for those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you join Christianity, when you join yourself to Jesus, the Son of God, you're not just adopting a new worldview. You're not just embracing a new religion. You're coming in to this new family. And he says, in this new family, all of the older men are your father. The, the younger men are brothers. The, the older women are, are mothers in your life. And the younger women as sisters. And so Paul is trying to build this culture in the church where all women, that not just are biological mothers, but, but all women in the church feel honored, respected, and valued. He says with absolute purity. Jesus, during his ministry, there's this moment where uh, he's teaching in a house and this whole crowd is around and they're filling the house and they're on the outside. And Jesus' mother and brothers try to come in, but they can't get in because of the crowd. And so the, the crowd, somebody in the crowd says, hey, your, your mom and your brothers, they're outside and they want to see you. And Jesus uses this moment to teach the crowd something. And he says, I will tell you who my mother and my brothers are. My mother and my brothers are those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That Jesus wants all of us to know that when you join yourself to him, when you join yourself to the Father, you are entering into this whole family. You are entering into this family where if you attend Rock of Grace Cortland, that the women in this church are your sisters and your mothers. And so God has called us to be a people of honor. I know for my life personally, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't be the, the individual. I wouldn't be the husband. I wouldn't be the pastor that I am today if it wasn't for the influence of my mom in my life. I can think of countless moments as a kid when she would instruct me, when she would teach me, when she would discipline me. I remember when we would dance together. I remember when I was scared and I would wake up with a nightmare and she would read the Bible to me and encourage me. I remember as I grew older and began to grow as a man and mature as a person, and even to this day, I still look to my mom for wisdom, for insight, for counsel, for encouragement. And for those of you who attend this church and who know my mom, you know that that's the case. You know a piece of why I am the man who I am today. And not just for my biological mom, but I was able to grow up in a church where I was surrounded by amazing women who encouraged me and challenged me and taught me in the faith. So when we talk about honoring women, honoring mothers, I want to look here for a moment in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis, as always, is a wonderful place to start. Here's what it says about the creation of human beings in Genesis 1, 26. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
So here is this verse, which is written by Moses. So we know that scholars tell us that Moses is the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. So he's the one writing Genesis to this, these new Israelites who've been rescued from Egypt. And so Moses is writing to them and he's saying that in the beginning, when God made humanity, he made men and women, all human beings, in his image and in his likeness. Now this is a stunning and radical message of equality for all people. You can imagine for the Israelites, who for them and for their parents and for their grandparents and their great-grandparents, for generations, they were slaves in Egypt. And so you can imagine for them that those who were like God, those who were the image of God, the representatives of God, they were probably those with religious power or political power, and they were just a nation of slaves. And here Moses says, no, it doesn't matter if you're slave or free or male or female, that it doesn't matter who you are, that all men and all women have this value because they are made in the image and likeness of God. Now, image is not about physical attributes. When we say that both men and women are made in God's image, made in God's likeness, we're not saying here that, that God is himself a little bit male and a little bit female. No, God himself does not have gender. God himself doesn't even have a physical body. But what he's saying is, when he's talking about image, is he's saying he gave certain characteristics, certain attributes of himself. And he gave some of these to men and others of these to women. And so women uniquely show us something about the nature of God that no man can show us. Now, I have a bunch of verses here that I want to read to you uh, right off the bat about verses from the Old and New Testament about God as motherly. Let me show you these verses here. They're fascinating. Deuteronomy 32, 18 says this, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. He's saying to the Israelites at this time, I, like a mother, I brought you into this world. I brought you into being. This is the Holy Spirit-inspired way of saying, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. He's saying, I, I bore you. I, I brought you into this world. Hosea 11, 3 through 4. God says, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I who took them up in my arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. There's this image of God who's nurturing, this image of this God who is, he's, he's feeding this, this young child, teaching this young child to walk, leading them with love. Another verse, Isaiah 66, 13, says, 
as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. That, that when we say that women are made in the image and likeness of God, we're saying that, that there are attributes that women carry which reveal to us what God is like. That, that God is like this comforting, this nurturing mother. But he's also like a protective mother. Here's what Hosea 13.8 says. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and tear them asunder. Yo, that's a verse right there. We could preach about that. That, that God is like this mama bear who when her cubs are attacked, there's, there's no niceness about it. There's no cuteness about it. That, that this is a mama bear who's going to do some battle for her cubs. That, that idea, that protectiveness that's in moms. Maybe you've seen a, a story on the news where a mom did this crazy, extraordinary, superhuman thing to rescue her child or her baby. And that tells us what God is like. Let me give you one more from the New Testament. Matthew 23, 37. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under his wings, but you were not willing. That, that Jesus says here that like this mother hen trying to gather her chicks under her wings. Jesus tells parables about God and about the kingdom. They won't be on the screen, but a couple of times in the parables, the divine figure is a woman. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a woman baking bread or a woman searching to find her lost coin. And so God, we know, has no gender, no physical body, and so there's elements that that men uniquely represent the heart of God, and women represent these different characteristics. That women, they're nurturing. They're compassionate. They feel deeply. They, they feel what is happening to them and to others around them. And in the Bible, we see a picture of a God who feels more than anybody else in the Bible. God, like this mama bear in the verse that we read, fights for those who are his. Like women, God has this beauty that he wants to unveil. This desire in the heart of God to be pursued. This desire to be chased. This desire to be sought after. Women also have this amazing ability to read people, to feel what they're feeling, to see what people are going through. There's times when Kelly knows what I'm feeling even before I do. It's like this magical superhuman ability that women have. They're better at relationships by nature. They're better at connecting with people and feeling along with them. And so they demonstrate the heart of God. Now, all throughout the Bible, there are verses which show us how 
God, through the people of Israel, looks at the culture of the world and he calls Israel and the church to advance the status of women in the world. Now, there is far too much that I would like to say that I will not be able to say. But I want to give you a few stories of how the Bible elevates and promotes the equality of women in this world. The first story I want to talk to you about is the story of Mary and Martha. Now, this is a story which many of you may know. It's a story where Mary is uh, Mary and Martha are these two sisters, and Jesus comes to their house with his disciples. And Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to Jesus' teaching, while Martha is busy doing all the housework. She's being hospitable. She's being a good hostess. And this is a story where most of us, and even I, have preached this story where we tend to place the emphasis on Time with God is better than work for God. And, and I believe that, and I believe this story teaches that. But some scholars have pointed out a few interesting things about this story. And specifically, it says the phrase that Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Now, this phrase, to sit at someone's feet, was a phrase used by rabbis in the first century, that when a rabbi would gain disciples and students, it was said that those students would sit at the rabbi's feet. Now, in that time, women were not allowed to teach the law. They were not allowed to teach the Torah, the word of God. And so because of that, women were not allowed to study the law. Now, they could sit in the synagogue along with everybody else, along with all the men and the children. They could learn in the synagogue but they couldn't become students of the law. They couldn't study under a rabbi. And the fascinating thing here about this story is that it says that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. She was in the place that only men were supposed to be. And Jesus, instead of rebuking Mary, says to Martha that Mary has actually chosen what is better. That what we see here in this passage is that it's about so much more than just time with Jesus is better than housework, although that is the case. It's a story of a rabbi who has female disciples. It's a story of a rabbi who expects women to study the word of God because he knows they're going to be teaching the word of God. Luke 8 actually tells us that a number of women traveled in Jesus' disciples, they traveled in this group. That although they weren't part of the 12, Jesus had this group of women who were his disciples who went where he went. And so Jesus, we see in the Gospels, is constantly elevating the status of women. He has an encounter with the woman at the well, and, and his male disciples don't understand it. Why are you talking to this woman? Why are you interacting with this woman? Another example of how the the Gospels elevate the status of women is that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in all four Gospels, the very first people to see the empty tomb, to see Jesus, and to announce the resurrection 
are women in all four Gospels. Now, scholars will actually say that these four resurrection accounts that we see in the Gospels, there's no way that they were made up. That atheist historians and non-Christian historians will say that Jesus died on the cross and he didn't really rise again, but the early Christians, they were disappointed. And so they just made up stories about Jesus coming back to life. And they tried to invent this whole worldview around this myth. Now, a lot of Christian uh, commentators have pointed out that there's no way this is the case. And here's why. Because in that day, women were seen as second-class citizens. They were seen as unreliable and untrustworthy. That's why they couldn't study the law. In fact, it was so much the case that women were seen as untrustworthy that if you had a court case and a woman was an eyewitness of the crime, their testimony was not even allowed in court. That if you tried to bring in a woman as your eyewitness... It was like having no witness at all, that they didn't want to hear that testimony, that the Jewish men did not see that testimony as valid. Now, the reason this is fascinating is because in all four of our Gospels, as I mentioned, women are the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus. And so what we can learn from that is this. It's that there's no way these stories are made up because no one in the ancient world would invent a story where the most important moment in the story only has women as eyewitnesses. If you were going to make up a story, you would have a credible man as your witness. And so the only reason that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only reason that women are the first ones there is because that must be what actually happened. It must be because that's the true story, because no one would make up a story like that. But you see, Jesus, you see God in his wisdom, in his foreknowledge, in his providence, in the heart of God was not just to have female disciples, was not just to have women follow him and, and observe his ministry, but it was actually in the heart of God that women would be the very first ones to see, believe, and announce the resurrection of Jesus. They were the first ones, the first ones to see the risen Lord, the first ones to be sent out to preach the good news that Jesus is alive. So that's what we see in the Gospels. Let me give you a verse from Paul here as well. And this is a, a common verse. It's in Galatians 3. Galatians three twenty seven through 29, it says this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So here there is this message of radical equality that we see 
in Galatians. Paul says here that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free. Now, this doesn't mean that those things don't exist anymore. It's not that he was saying that when I got saved, I stopped being an Italian man. I didn't stop being a Gentile. I didn't stop being who I am. It's just that those things don't give you any advantage before the Lord. That maybe in the Jewish culture of the time, men were seen as those who had a closer relationship with God. They could study the law. They could teach the law. And here Paul says that none of those things matter anymore. None of those things define you anymore. That, that in Christ, all of us have become Abraham's offspring. We've all joined the family of God. And so he says this radical message of equality for women. Now, over the last 2,000 years, the church has not always gotten this right. Some would say in our modern culture that there's been a pushback against the devaluing of women over the centuries. And we've begun to swing the pendulum in the 21st century. Now, some would say we've swung too far, and some would say that we've not swung far enough, but, but the Bible for sure is clear on one thing, and that it's that women in general, and mothers in particular, have a crucial role that cannot be replaced by men. They have a crucial role in the home and a crucial role in the church. Now, throughout this message so far, I've been talking about women in general, but I want to talk for a few moments here about the value of mothers and the importance of mothers, not just in the home, but in the church as well. I read the, the verse in the beginning from 1 Timothy where, where Paul says to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. He's saying Let's be a people as the family of God that, that where the, there is a, a place where women are cherished, where mothers are valued, where we see the role that they play and they receive great honor for it. To all of the, the moms out there who, who call Rock of Grace home, who call the, the Cortland campus home, I hope you know that as your pastor, I see the incredible value that you bring. The value that you bring, not just to our families, but to our church. That this church would not be what it is today without the moms who are in this house. Without the moms who are in this church. The book of Proverbs written by King Solomon. Here's what he said his parents taught him. He says in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. He says what, what you learn from your father and your mother and this is key here, that he doesn't just say that it's the father's job to teach young men and to teach young women how to, to grow up in the ways of the Lord. 
And as important as a father is, he's saying there is a role that a mother brings that cannot be replaced. There is a role that that mothers have played in our lives which are indispensable in shaping us into who we are today. And I want to say to all those who are watching this who are younger, For those of you who are watching with your family, maybe you're a younger child, maybe you're a young teenager, I want to tell you, as somebody who's hopefully not too much older than you, to honor your mother, to to respect her instruction. And the Proverbs say that that will be like grace and honor that will surround you. That when you give honor to your father, give honor to your mother, it says that as you honor your mother, God will honor you. As you honor the instruction from your mother, God himself will come and he will honor you. Another verse I want to read, and this is the final one that I'll read here. 2 Timothy 1.5, the Apostle Paul says this, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Timothy here is this young pastor of the church in Ephesus, and he's here as this young pastor, and he he has Paul as this spiritual father in his life. And yet here, Paul doesn't mention a father or a grandfather. He says, Timothy, there is a sincere faith in your life. And this faith first lived in your grandmother, Lois. It first lived in your mother, Eunice. And now I'm persuaded it lives in you also. This sincere faith which was passed from grandmother to mother to son. And now through Timothy is being spread to this new church plant, this new people of the Messiah. And there's no mention of a dad. There's no mention of a grandpa. And there's this sincere faith in Timothy because of the faithfulness of a mom. Because of the faithfulness of a grandma. And too often in the church and in the home, women have had to do double duty. Women have had to carry the load, not just for themselves, but for their husbands as well. And there may be women watching this who feel like maybe you have an unsaved husband or you feel like you're, you're trying to, with your husband, pastor your children and raise your children And maybe you're struggling because you feel like you're having to be the spiritual leader. You're having to to do double duty for the husband and for the wife in raising your kids. And and Paul is telling us here that, that even in those moments, even in those moments where men have dropped the ball, there is a sincere faith which can be passed to the next generation because of the faithfulness of praying moms and praying grandmas and believing moms and believing grandmas and teaching moms and teaching grandmas. That when there is a sincere faith that mothers have, 
when there's, there is a sincere trust in the Lord, that that faith is passed on to the next generation. Maybe for those of you who are in this church, you can say that that's you. You can say that it's because of the faithfulness of your mom who didn't give up on you when you turned your back on God. That it's because an aunt or a grandma was believing for you when no one else was. And I want to encourage all of the moms out there who are praying for a wayward son, praying for a wayward daughter. Keep believing, keep praying, keep trusting. Proverbs tells us that that if you train up a child in the way they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. I want to encourage you this morning to keep believing, to keep praying, to keep trusting. Maybe Mother's Day is a challenging day because you long for the day when your son, your daughter can be united in your faith in Christ along with you. And I want to tell you, Paul here is saying that a sincere faith can be passed on to the next generation. And that when we stand on the promises of God, that we can pass on those things that are in our hearts. I can tell you for me personally, and you guys who are in this church, you know my parents, that I've been blessed and privileged to have an amazing father and an amazing mother. And I can tell you though that as much as my dad who's even here in the room has had a huge influence on my life, I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for my mom. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for spiritual mothers in the faith who shepherded me. At the church where I was raised, Pastor Kathy was a spiritual mom in my life. She poured into me. She encouraged me to burn with passion for Jesus, to delight in the presence of God, to be somebody who burns for revival. I was blessed and honored to grow up in a home, not just with amazing male role models, but with amazing female role models who taught me what a godly woman is like, who showed me what it's like to be a woman who is passionate for Jesus. And so I want to say here in closing to all of the mothers in this house and to all of the women in this house, we need you. We need you in this church. We need women and mothers who can come and disciple a new generation of believers, who can disciple lost people in the faith, that there are ways that you show us the heart of God that none of us men can do. There are ways that you show us the attributes of God. We need your prayers. We need your counsel. We need your instruction. And so I want to remind all of you today in closing that you're valued, that you're loved.